What's going on, guys? Welcome to another edition of Jack of All. Pumped to be with you guys today. Actually, I'm just pumped in general. Uh, later today, I get to go pick up some new pants that I had tailored. So I guess they're not new, but they're going to feel like new. Um, I don't get hand-me-downs very often because I'm 6'8", but long story short, uh, I got a bunch of hand-me-downs from an ex-NBA player, the name I cannot disclose, uh, but it's kind of through a network, through a friend of a friend, and it's so awesome. Like, it was a bunch of clothes and shoes, and it's just, I'm so grateful. <clears throat> However, this guy is seven foot three, and so I'm just swimming in this stuff. It is enormous. <laughs> And the worst part of it is because I want to get all this stuff eventually tailored. It got to spread it out over the course of 10 years. But every single pair of pants that I put on, the inseam is like down to my knees. And trust me, there is nothing more emasculating than this guy who's tailoring saying, All right, we got to bring the inseam up a foot and a half. He's like yelling to, hey, everybody, this inseam has got to come way up. I'm like, okay, I think we got it. Dial it down there. <laughs> nope, no need for the bullhorn. I think we all heard it in this zip code, so let's just take it easy. Go back there and stick a needle in something. Oh, man. But stoked. I get to pick up the pants today, so I'll have this new outlook on life and be scooting around with a sweet attitude um another convo i had this was yesterday actually talking to a buddy of mine he's a new parent and i was I don't know, complaining about something oh i was saying uh how the end of the twos and the beginning of the threes for kids is the worst and then i thought hold on no never mind <laughs> The sleep deprivation is by far the worst at the beginning. Uh, like, sleep deprivation is a literal form of torture. And for good reason. Man, alive. It is just the most difficult season. You know, you can't, you can't think clearly. You just feel like a zombie. It's hard to kind of be present, like emotionally present or mentally present anywhere. And... You know, for the first kid, um, I had no idea, right? I had no idea what to expect. And not only did I not know what was entailed, but um, even if somebody had given me like an accurate schedule of what my life would look like, uh, I still had no idea how my body would respond to that like level of sleep deprivation, right? There are just so many variables, so many unknowns. And um, so, yeah, that, that was just, I'm sure all you parents can, can resonate with that. One of the biggest difficulties to overcome, in my opinion, is, is adjustment, right, with the kiddos. It's not even knowing how to parent really, though um, there is some of that. It's just adjustment, right? Adjustment to the unknown, um, so I don't know, uh, especially in that world, you have very limited foresight. <laughs> you can try to predict, but chances are nothing's going to turn out the way that you thought. 
And so you just find yourself, you know, making these pretty big pivotal decisions with very limited emotional and mental capacity. Um, Another part of the adjustment is the adjustment of expectations, right? Which is maybe even tougher. Um, Think about adjustment of expectations uh, when you first get married, right? So difficult because both of you guys are bringing in just a mountain of preconceptions, pulling from your individual experiences of family and what you've seen in your household growing up, right? Your perceived positives and negatives in in the marriages that you've seen. Um, yeah, it's more than just like sharing a bathroom. It is constant compromises and pride swallowing and negotiations, right? For like every little intricacy of how we... This is how we do marriage. This is how we run our house. And everything is just so catastrophized, at least it was in my mind. The worst advice I ever got in my life was somebody goes, just to let you know, the way that that things are in the first five weeks is the way your household will always be. So you have to put your foot down on the things that you're really serious about. And so I just went Gestapo on it, thinking, you know, playing it out 20 years down the road. Um, is if this path continues, oh, what a, what a moron I was. But um, that's just with marriage. Then with kids, it's magnified a thousand times when you're thinking of how we do a family. And you add in this mental and emotional fatigue, you know, that makes like, logic and rationale nearly impossible so anyway we were talking about this and he said uh you know so hard for me not to just lose it on the kid and we've all been there where you uh aggressively rock them to sleep when they've been screaming for three hours and for sure we've been there but when I looked back even throughout this convo and we were kind of just processing through it, I thought maybe I used all of my patience and grace on the kids, and instead I got short with Kristen, right? Instead I got rough with, um, yeah, with, with Kristen. Like I would just, uh, the eye rolls to Kristen and uh, just didn't feel like I was on her team, and so I would use everything for them and I'd, and I'd be loving and I have very limited anything because I haven't slept in forever. But, you know, at least I'll love and hug the kids. And then, Kristen, you get what's left over. Um, and in this conversation with my buddy, I realized that I allocate grace, right? I allocate my love and patience. Um, I very rarely reset I very rarely like clean the slate, you know, before every situation. Instead, it's like I got this grace tank, almost like a battery, right? That is set for probably about the course of a day is about what my tank is good for. Um, Not for a whole day, but uh, around that, that's kind of when would I gauge it to be. And certain things deplete my grace faster than others. 
um, whining and entitlement almost immediately will deplete my grace tank. However, if you've had what I consider to be a tough road, I'll have more grace and more patience for you. And yeah, I'm sure we probably all have that, right? People who we get frustrated with very quickly and people who we will just kind of give the benefit of the doubt. Um, And it can be based on uh, experiences and personalities and... um, yeah, all of that. We just do it subconsciously, I think, or even a past or a history with somebody. So I find myself allocating my grace to my kids and not to my wife. Uh, I would kind of use what limited brain space I had, uh, even as far as not being on her team. I didn't have much memory or wherewithal in that time, but what I did, I'd use to keep track of who got up last, you know? Okay, she got up, or she got to sleep in yesterday, so it's my, I, like, I would keep, it was like keeping score, kind of. And, I don't know, man. It, if I'm going to be honest, I found myself being a great father and an okay husband, you know? So after this term came out in the conversation, the allocation of grace... Then I thought about it a little bit more, and I thought, okay, well, would it have been better for me to allocate it for my wife and then, you know, have resentment for my kids if I'm going to allocate it one way or another? Like, what is the correct allocation for grace? And then I think I realized that I was perverting this concept of grace, Um, that I was offering conditional grace, right? I would give love and I'd give patience to those who I deemed worthy of it, right? Who met my conditions. This is, all right, you make the cut. I'll give it to you. And that's not not a grace move. That's a power move. That is needing to control with like affection and with approval. Uh, It's the actions and personalities that I think are good or better than others, I will reward um, or I will give position uh, with my grace and with my love and patience. And so then everybody else around me is now clamoring for the seat at the table and trying to do what I deem is worthy of grace and love. And it's just a way to get people to pander to you, right? It's a power move. Um, Yeah, so what I mentioned earlier, right, coming to each scenario with a blank slate, um, it might be possible. It might be possible. Uh, Here's what I think is a better solution. Rather than allocating grace, um, I think that grace, or however you'd say that, kind of love in the face of fault, uh, even patience, right? They're referred to in the Bible as... uh, fruits of the spirit and basically that means is that unconditional love is supernatural without something supernatural influencing your capacity then we're just going to rely on human conditions Uh, even with supernatural connection we'll revert back to human tendency for sure but um, sometimes that is the only way that love and grace is possible is connecting to kind of a supernatural source. Otherwise, at least I know for me, my tank 
is depleted almost instantly. So, yeah, that blank slate is is possible to come into every situation not carrying over this residual frustration of the last event or even more difficult, right? Not to carry over the residual of the last time that even that person screwed up, right? Because we create these filters for people. Instead, what if every scenario we came in with a blank slate and asked, what does love require of me here? How do I handle this situation with grace and love? Get people around you who remind you of the good in people, right? And fight for love. I I make a point because... Uh, because even connected to the supernatural source, I'm an introvert and my tank goes fast. And I know if I get people around me who are looking for the negative in the world, I don't have a fighting chance. I have to get people around me who remind me and hold me accountable to love, right? Um, so yeah, don't allocate your grace. Don't withhold your grace. Uh, instead, Give your grace freely. Um, And when you find yourself running out, when you find your tank getting low or empty, recognize that you probably aren't tapping into the supernatural supply, right? That, That God really does want to work through you in the area of love. And I would encourage you, man, maybe even just try a prayer of, God, I feel like my tank is empty, and I want to love well. <laughs> I, like, that's a desire of mine. So could you just help me to see the good in people right now, right? It's just that, that easy. And see if, see if that makes a difference. Um, I've been watching all the, mild digression, all the old school Disney movies with my kids recently. And when I say old school, I'm talking old school, old school. Like original Cinderella Sleeping Beauty, that type of thing. And last night we watched Sword in the Stone, one of my all-time favorites. Well, this was a quote in the movie. Uh, Merlin was talking to Arthur, and he said, Love is a powerful force, boy. And then Arthur asks, Is it stronger than gravity? And Merlin says, Sometimes. And I thought, True, man. True. Uh, I think it is, but then I thought, can you imagine if it was as consistent as gravity? Can you imagine if love was as reliable as gravity? Think about that. Imagine a world where you could count on the love of other people just as much as you count on gravity working. Dang, it gets me emotional, man. Think about that. Everybody here has experienced love, right? You've loved somebody. You've been loved. Man, play that out. Play out that intense love with everybody. Think about how different life would be. How different would school be if you could count on the consistent force of love? Think about how different sports would be or family. Or what about the corporate world? It's almost... Golly, man, it's almost impossible to conceptualize. That's, I think that that shows the state of society. The state of society is not truly recognized until imagining a utopia becomes an impossibility. 
right? I mean, really, we have gone so far that love, true love, consistent, reliable love is almost impossible to conceptualize. But we can, at least in our spheres and our world, become people uh, whose love is reliable. That is a, a beautiful challenge, I think. Um, last thing I wanted to talk about today, um, I saw a post from a friend on Facebook yesterday. And uh, she was talking about uh, that she saw an app or whatever, something um, via social media where a kid would ask this blanket question of, how much do you think I like you? (coughs) Excuse me. And each person created a measurement bar where they could mark how much they thought the original poster liked them. Isn't that crazy? And then whoever was the original poster went back and marked either less or more for everyone to see. Brutal, man. Brutal. Back in my day, it was just a cold shoulder. You didn't have somebody to actually quantify their level of distaste for you for everybody to see. That is just brutal. Um, I just thought that, that hits like every trigger point for insecurities, doesn't it? Like... It hits the comparison of positives, <laughs> right? Do you, are your positives better or worse than this person's positives? So it's, instead of celebrating differences, it creates this, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When you're against somebody, dude, I'm so embarrassed right now. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Um, that when you're against somebody, I'm going to think of it in five seconds and then shout it out. Uh, so it creates that with people competition. Goodness gracious, don't judge me on that. Creates competition between people. Um, it what I hit on earlier, right? With this conditional acceptance and kind of giving the poster this power of approval. You you make it. You make it. You make it. Now people are kind of pandering to you and clamoring to you. Uh, it's gut-wrenching. But anyway, on this post, one guy commented underneath. He said, all right, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Uh, and He said, at least every kid now knows at least where they stand with the person, right? That makes choosing your friends a lot easier. Um, he said, it's mean, but at least there's some honesty involved. So I love playing devil's advocate. I That doesn't mean that that's how you feel. That's not what this guy was saying. It just means, hey, let's look at this from every angle to pull as much truth from it as possible. So I love debating. Everything's debatable. So I I appreciate the devil's advocate approach. Um, Okay, so he's saying the other side is that at least every kid now knows where they stand. (laughs) At least there's some honesty, right? Well, maybe there's some truth to that. If somebody gave me that questionnaire first, that's probably an indicator right there that they aren't uh, in my inner circle, right? That that's not the person that I'm going to trust with my raw emotions. But if I sent it back and I put like a 6 out of 10, which seems like the smart way to go, you know? If you put an 8, then the only way to go up is like you're a super friend. So that's dumb. You put a six, any higher, it's like, yeah, I dig you. Any lower, it's just like, no, whatever. And let's say I put six and this person put lower, 
then I do learn something. That's true. And then I give my time somewhere else, right? You can give everyone your love. You can't give everyone your time. So there's a piece of recognizing uh, who gets your time. So that's true. Um, However, the problem with social media and this kind of technological direction of society is an increasing inability to engage in healthy conflict, right? We've seen that everywhere. Growing up, I had to make a thousand face-to-face mistakes and learn from each one of them uh, to understand like interpersonal dynamics, right, and techniques to be able to honor people amidst disagreement. You you can even you can read as many books about that as you want, but it takes actually doing it, learning how to do that uh, for it to work. And I don't know this whole approach of doing everything via social media and online. It's just teaching kids that you can dismiss people like as easily as you kind of clean out your Facebook friend list, right? It's just kind of perpetuating like uh, a consumeristic. Like social reality, you know, where kids can just hand select who they interact with based on how easy it is. And so, yeah, I, at every turn, um, even though my kids are young, I encourage them to go up and there's your teacher, go up and look them in the eye and, and have a conversation because there's so much that you can learn about encouragement, uh, the affirmation side of things, and with disagreement um, from dealing with the root issues and being honest with people and getting down to the bottom of it rather than running away and hiding behind these kind of non-confrontational, passive-aggressive ways of making your life easier. So, whatever. So a few things from today. One is don't allocate your grace. <laughs> Recognize if you have a deleted or depleted supply. Right? And just kind of pray for a supernatural replenishing. And then, after you've done that, trust the replenishing. So don't, don't allocate. Don't just be around the people that are easy. Um, challenge yourself to love the ones that may not be your favorite to hang around. I think that healthy conflict and challenge should be under this umbrella of love. And that only comes from screwing it up a thousand times. So don't get discouraged. Lean into it. Continue to learn how to love people better. And then finally, I would say make sure that you rewatch all the old Disney movies because they're really stinking good and it's totally worth it. So, all right, 23 minutes. Um, Hope you guys have a great day. And, um, Beautiful weekend, and we'll try again next time.